more in the WOR Sports Zone. Mets Spring Training Report. A rare spring training off day for the New York Mets, but that doesn't stop Mike Puma covering the Mets uh, for the New York Post from still hopping on, talking some baseball tonight. You're a good man, Mike. Uh, how are you today? No problem, Pete. You know, it, it is an off day for the players. I, I, I still spend most of the afternoon writing, so, you know, what the heck. You're still getting things done. Uh, there, there are no off days for one uh, Mike Puma. Now, you know, I'm sure one of the stories, Neil Walker signs on with the Yankees, uh, a one-year, $4 million deal as far as what is guaranteed. In recent weeks, and, and I, I guess Walker told reporters today that the only offer he received all offseason was from the Yankees, but uh, in recent weeks, did the Mets consider at all reaching out to Neil Walker to, to help out at either first base or second base? Yeah, they were they were talking to Neil Walker throughout the, the course of the winter, and basically once the Todd Frazier signing went down, that was about it as far as uh, Neil Walker was concerned. But th- there was there was some interest there throughout the winter. He was kind of on, on that list. You had Frazier, uh, Neil Walker, a couple other guys, and, and they ultimately decided on Frazier. Are the Mets comfortable with what they're seeing from Estrubel Cabrera and Adrian Gonzalez this spring? Yeah, you know, and, and one of the stories I spent the afternoon working on actually was Adrian Gonzalez and the fact that now he's hitting 192 this spring. Uh, that you know they, the Mets think that the offense is going to come with him. Uh, and Gonzalez pointed out to me that he's always been a terrible, or at least the last few years he's been a, a, a bad spring training player, but he, he he's been able to turn it on once the season starts. So I, I don't think there's major concern there with Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, as far as Cabrera goes at second base, you know, the big thing with him, they just have to keep him on the field because, as you know, he's been pretty banged up uh, the last couple of years with with knees, hamstrings, uh, thumbs, that kind of wrists, that kind of stuff. So the fact that he, he's been going out there, I think they like that. How does Gonzalez handle this spring? Because he's an interesting case. He's coming off uh, you know, a pretty lousy year, especially by his standards in L.A. last year. And he, he had back problems. And you know, he's a 36-year-old veteran who probably hasn't had a meaningful spring training since he was 20 years old. But he is in a, a new environment, trying to prove himself that he's still got it. How is he handling the balance of results versus you know just getting ready for the season? Yeah, he told me he, he's he's basically treating this spring, trying to work on things. Like the the, the first five exhibition games, uh, he was uh, making a point to take at least one strike, unless unless the, unless the count was two and zero, oh, then he didn't necessarily take a strike. But he, he was making a point to take a strike in every at bat, and that that's something he wouldn't do during the regular season. And he also pointed out the fact that uh, you know dur- during the regular season. You're spending time watching video and kind of planning your at-bats uh, based on a pitcher's spring training. You're not doing any of that kind of stuff. So he, he's certainly optimistic. And I, I talked to Mickey Callaway about him. And uh, the manager is very impressed with what he's seen defensively from Gonzalez at first base. He, I think he used the, the word amazing. He's been amazing defensively. So they they like what they're getting on one side of the ball now. You know he's got to put up some numbers, obviously, for him to be uh, uh, a part of this team. But, but you know it, with, it, Dom, it, with Dom with Dom Smith with Dom Smith 
sideline, there's really no competition yeah. here. And I, I, I don't think there, there was a, a huge competition even at the beginning of camp because you, you sign Adrian Gonzalez, you bring him in, you're not going to cut him without giving him a, a chance. Yeah, I mean, it would appear Gonzalez could hit 150 this spring. He's going to be the opening day first baseman, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think the only way Adrian Gonzalez wasn't going to be the opening day first baseman was if he had some kind of health issue, some kind of injury, and uh, you know, Dom Smith was was performing at a reasonable level, and then uh, that that that's the way they would have gone. But you know, Smith has played what one exhibition game. Maybe he gets back this week, but I, I don't think there's enough time for him to make a case, even if you know there was a, a competition. Sure, and we're talking again with Mike Puma of the New York Post uh, as part of our Mets spring training report. Uh, it was interesting yesterday. Mickey Calloway seemed to, you know, to to some degree get fed up with the team. Some of the fundamental issues, uh, lack of hustle issues, he's seen. They have the worst record in all of spring training for whatever the heck that is worth. But do you sense that tomorrow after this off day, he might try to set a different kind of tone for this Mets team uh, if he wants things cleaned up? Uh, before opening day hits, yeah. Well, he 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 talked to them uh, Sunday morning. I know because uh, that Yankee game Saturday, there there was some stuff he didn't like. I know uh, one of the things was Zach Bornstein um, uh, threw to the wrong base um, in the first inning over in Tampa, and you know that uh, helped helped the Yankees score some early runs against Matt Harvey, and um, and then you know I, I don't think. Now I haven't seen it, but I I don't think he's been happy with the way uh, guys have been running the bases, um, and uh, you know it's the fundamental stuff. He he came in here uh, with the idea that the you know they're they're going to be a fundamentally sound team, and I, I he's seen them uh, being a, a little bit lax here. Now, when you talk about running the bases, are those veteran players or are those you know young players trying to prove themselves that he might not like what he sees? I, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both. You know, so sometimes even the young players uh, need a, a little kick in the pants uh, to, to remind them to, to play the entire game and not just uh, hit the ball. Yeah, and again, we're talking with Mike Puma of the New York Post. Jacob DeGrom hit 98 miles per hour on the gun uh, the other day there with, with Port St. Louis. You're just picking up right where uh, you'd expect to see Jacob DeGrom shaking off the back stiffness that had him sidelined earlier this spring. Yeah, and that, that that was a great sign for the Mets, and and really, I think most of this has been precautionary. Degrom says he hasn't had any symptoms in uh, about three weeks. Here, he just had a few days of it after he came back from paternity leave. And uh, let's face it, there, there was no reason for the, the the Mets to to rush him back into into game action uh, after that. You want to make sure this guy is ready to go from the start. Now he probably won't pitch opening day, but. It's somewhere in that first turn in the rotation, he should be ready if he doesn't have any kind of setback. How about Matt Harvey? Uh, what have you thought of what you see? It kind of feels like it depends on what kind of curve you're grading him on. Are you grading him against who he was in you know 13 and 15, or are you you know grading him just by being a, a capable big league pitcher as you look at him this spring? Uh, I, I'm grading him kind of on the ladder there that, you know, but if, if this guy uh, can come around and be a, a decent middle of the rotation option for you, then you know what? I, I think you're happy with Matt Harvey. Uh, you're you're probably, you're not getting 2013 Matt Harvey for sure. And uh, you're probably not even getting 2015 Matt Harvey. Just, 
just somebody who can go out and help you and pitch at a respectable level. And you know what? That's what he's done so far this spring. He, he, he's looked pretty good like he can be that kind of guy. He's not an easy guy to probe, but, but what do you make of the fact that he doesn't want to talk about last year at all and has been deflecting those questions all spring? I, I think he just wants to avoid putting negative thoughts in his head. And, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a psychology thing where he, he he's just trying to harp on the positive and, and not look back, but, or, you know, or he could just be messing with the media. <laughs> that's, that's always a possibility, but I, I think he just, he just wants to avoid putting uh, negative thoughts in his head. Is it a game for him sometimes? Is, is what a game is, uh, the back and forth with the media. Yeah, yeah, he, I think at this point in his career he doesn't he doesn't want to give uh the the media too much. He'll 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 do give them the bare essentials and uh that's about it. You, you know, he 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 doesn't do one-on-one interviews at this point and you know, the only time uh he basically talks is, is after he pitches and it it's pretty cut and dry yeah. uh mechanical stuff. He's not going to talk about uh uh, you know, personality-driven stuff, or or how he feels about certain things. So that's just you know that's just what he is at this point. Yeah, and again, we're talking with Mike Puma, who's a, a big Giants fan as well. You know, what'd you what'd you think of Beckham the other day? Were you surprised at all? No, no, not surprised. <laughs> certainly not surprised. I don't think I'm surprised by anything Beckham does. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's the. Uh, He's certainly uh, making it interesting for their uh, PR, their public relations people over there. So, uh, so you're in too deep. You're you're already seeing, you know, as a a writer, you're seeing it the other way. Well, as a fan, you want him out of town? Like, uh, are you you okay with Beckham and paying him the big bucks? You know, I I don't know. You know what? He's still one of the best wide receivers in football. So. I, uh, paying him the big buck. I don't know. I, I haven't put that much thought into it. I, I, I have a feeling he'll be back with the Giants in, in, uh, in the fall and healthy and uh, just go from there. Well, come on, Mike. I expect you to plan out their entire free agency uh, for this week in the next couple of days, and we'll have you on with uh, uh, a full report. I have a tough enough time keeping up with the Mets, <laughs> never mind the Giants. <laughs> Mike Puma of the New York Post on a Mets off day. We really appreciate the time today, Mark. Mike. All right, Pete. Take care, man. All right. Mike Puma of the uh, New York Post. He's not delving all the way into the Giants, but uh, that that's his team, Big Blue. But he will tell you exactly what's happening here uh, with the New York Mets. Interesting uh, things are on Adrian Gonzalez in first base, and it is tough to you know judge what is happening at, at first base over the course of the spring. We'll talk about that a little bit when we come back. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Again, 800-321-0710. Still to come on the show, we'll get into the the brackets, Vin Parisi, Fox Sports, SNY, will be with us at 8.05. And tomorrow night, LIU Brooklyn will be in the NCAA tournament, playing their way into the NCAA tournament. However you see that first four, uh, they will be taking part in the first four. So we will have their head coach, Derek Kellogg, on with us at 8.35 as they get set to take on Radford tomorrow. Again, they'll be nationally televised on TNT, so a, a big opportunity for the guys uh, from LIU Brooklyn. That's coming up. We're going until 9 o'clock. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy.
All right, it's had a chance to catch up. Mike Puma uh, covers the Mets for the New York Post. And, you know, Adrian Gonzalez, we've been on that all spring training. Uh, he hasn't you know, looked particularly great. You'd like to see, I'd like to see some power from him at some point this spring uh, because last year he didn't hit for any. I don't care if you're batting 300, you're playing first base, need to have a little bit of pop there. Uh, that's something that has to be part of your game. At the very least, you know, more than a home run every 100 at-bats, which was about where he was last year. You want to see that he's still capable of hitting the ball that hard. It's pretty tough to hit 300 if you don't even have you know home run power to, to go along with it. You're not just blooping everything in. So, you know, that's something you want to see is in the tank with Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, we haven't seen that kind of power yet, but it, it, it's tough to you know, judge a player like that who is accustomed to just kind of going through the motions in spring training, gearing up for the season. He's had a lot of success in his prime. Uh, hasn't had, uh, like I mentioned to Mike, a, a meaningful spring training in about 15 years now, probably more than that. And for him, uh, you know, he's just trying to get ready. But yeah, I think as Mets fans, we want to say something. We want to make sure that guy is not just a fossil. That. He doesn't have to be a 25-85 kind of guy, uh, 25 homers, 85 RBIs. That's what you know. Ron Darling uh, said he was expecting from Adrian Gonzalez this season. Uh, but you know, you want to know that he can be productive there at first base and that you know it's not going to be more of the same that we saw last year when he was dealing with the back issues. And you know, he's doing 90 minutes worth of work just to get ready every day. Uh, not you know, totally unlike what David Wright was doing a couple of years ago to keep his back uh, operational or at least attempt to. Uh, so, you know, these are things that you don't necessarily like to hear with Gonzalez, especially considering Dom Smith hasn't played much this spring and there's not a natural go-to backup at first base. It's why I thought you know, Neil Walker would be a, a nice signing for the Mets as a backup plan at first base and second base with Estrubal Cabrera. Yeah, you have Wilmer Flores as the backup with those two right now, but you know, Wilmer hasn't shown you he could be an everyday player. At least Neil Walker, you know, he could pick up and play for months on end or as long as he's healthy, really. And you feel pretty good about you know the kind of player you're going to get, especially you know, you're talking about a one-year deal worth four million dollars. Not exactly breaking the bank for Neil Walker, who you know probably got hit harder more than any of these other free agents uh, in terms of what they got versus what we thought uh, they were going to get this off season. So, you know, I think Gonzalez at first base is uh, you know, a big position to watch over the next couple of weeks. The bullpen too is important to watch how that's going to shake out. Does a second lefty emerge in that bullpen? Are the Mets able to make a move for one? Uh Hansel Robles and Rafael Montero, can they turn things uh, around at all this spring or are they going to have, you know, more blow-ups uh, as we have seen as the, you know, patience has I think really worn down uh, for both of those guys, uh, certainly, you know, from me, but uh, from Mets fans as well. I've seen it, you know, year in and year out where, you know, in Robles' case, he pitches well for a couple of weeks and then uh, gets promoted to a big spot and gives up the lead or Montero, who just has never been consistently good for any period of time, but has had uh, a number of opportunities uh, with the uh, with the Mets, but you know it's a big weekend for Ioannis Cespedes. Had uh, another home run yesterday, his third of the spring. Uh, seems comfortable batting second in this lineup. It's a natural place for Cespedes to be. The Mets don't have a natural leadoff hitter, so you're not going to cram another guy in front that 
you know, won't be able to get on base in front of Cespedes and Conforto. You don't have, you know, some guys that could get on for the big boppers. Well, move the boppers up. Move Cespedes up to two. A lot of teams have had success with that. And the way the Mets are built, if you had two Brandon Nimmo's, maybe you do hit Cespedes third and you have your best hitter in that spot. But that's not the case for the Mets. They don't have a bunch of table setters. They have, you know, you're hoping Brandon Nimmo can grab one of those roles, and you know, who knows? Maybe they're asking Juan Lagares to lead off a bit. Maybe it's this Jubal Cabrera up at the top of the lineup. There was talk of Todd Frazier earlier this spring training. Nobody, none of those guys, you know, a real natural fit in that spot, and that's not going back to what you think about a leadoff hitter was in the 90s where it's somebody fast who could steal bases. You just want somebody to get on base. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about in that top spot nowadays. Not the stolen base, not the speed. Just get on and do it in front of some of the power hitters there like you want to Cespedes. So, you know, it's good that he's comfortable with it. Uh, you know, Sandy Alderson spoke with Kevin Carter to the post uh, uh, about it. And, you know, I thought, um, you know, the, the one thing he pointed out was, hey, if Cespedes doesn't take to it, and acknowledging, really, there is a mental part of the game. You can't just work it out in a worksheet and and that's it. Well, this is the best place for you to be. You know, some guys are comfortable in some positions, not comfortable in others. You got to see how you know Cespedes is being pitched by the opposition. Uh, these are all things you want to see play out before you just say, "Well, this is it." He's cemented as the number two hitter, and if he doesn't like it, he better get used to it. No, you got to be able to be you know a little flexible with these things, and you know that's where. There is a balance between, hey, this is what the numbers say, and you know, actually treating these guys and looking at them as human beings with emotions that you know handle things, uh, you know, one way or another. And you know, if a guy doesn't embrace it, you're not gonna, you know, shoehorn him into doing it and get the best out of him. But it seems uh, Cespedes is embracing it to this point in that uh, number two spot in the lineup. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number. Uh, we grab some calls when we come back. Uh, we'll also tell you what was good this weekend. Uh, plus, your next chance at a thousand dollars coming up at eight oh five. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Oh, we'll tell you what was good in sports uh, this past weekend coming up. It's got to be one of the highlights of a Monday, right? You mostly got through the Monday at this point, uh, so we hope. Uh, keep you company on the way home. 800-321-0710, uh, the number to get involved. Let's grab a call here, Bobby in Queens. How are we doing tonight, Bobby? Hey, how you doing, Peter? Good. Um, my concern as a Met fan is uh, is Hansel Robles is going to be, I mean, He's still going to be in that bullpen, and I can't believe the Mets will still trot him out. He is the definition of inconsistent. Look at uh, look in a dictionary. He has one good outing. You get excited. He looks impressive. Then mm-hmm. he'll have three bad outings and give up eight of the longest home runs you've ever seen in your life. I mean, he, he, I, I can't. And they just keep trotting him out. And I don't know if it's because now they think that they have a, a pitching guru in uh, Mickey Calloway now that he's going to be able to fix him. But I just see the same same inconsistency with him. Well, he, he tries to with, beat guys yeah. with fastballs, and and that's it. They hit it five hundred feet, or they strike out. But this is what he does. Uh, but you'd like to see. I mean, that fastball is just straight as an arrow. It's sometimes on a tee for these guys, and you know, I think we're all sick of seeing him point at the sky every time uh, balls hit uh, five hundred feet. I mean, I, it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, yeah, Ole always got a live arm. He's got a great arm. Yeah. But it's exactly what you said. You could throw 98. Major leaguers can hit it when it's 
straight down the middle. I and Montero, I mean, that guy's been nothing but disappointing. I mean, nothing but disappointing. And I and I don't want to give up on him yet. I know he's still young, but again, it seems like the Mets will keep singing the same song year after year about either their prospects or the players that they think is supposed to be good. And that's where you get upset as a Mets fan because it's like at some point turn the page. And I'm not saying go get a closer or go get a fancy setup guy. Just play the best guys. Do something. Find yeah. somebody. I, I think you got to play the best guys. Thanks for the call, Bobby. You know, if Hansel Robles isn't one of your 12 best pitchers, he shouldn't be on the opening day roster. Rafael Montero, he doesn't have any options, so you'd have to clear waivers in order for the Mets to send him to AAA. They'd risk losing him and getting nothing in return. So be it. If he's not one of the 12 best pitchers on the staff, the Mets are building for three years from now. They are in the midst of a window that they should be able to win. Now, I don't think they're very close to the Washington Nationals, but I think they are they have the ability to challenge for one of those wild card spots in the National League. I think they're at least that good, and that's got to be your focus at this point. It's not about years from now or keeping a guy around for what he could do down the line. You're trying to win now. That's what this is supposed to be about. And waited a long time, right? Everybody waited a long time for the Mets to turn it around. And it all happened at once, and suddenly they're in the World Series before you realize it in 2015. But this is all supposed to be part of, you know, the good stuff after, you know, waiting so long for the Mets to get back to being a contender. And they got to trade it as such. And they still have a healthy Jacob DeGrom now that he comes back this week. And Noah Syndergaard at the top of the rotation. Those two guys, DeGrom's throwing 98, and it's an afterthought because Syndergaard's going out throwing 101 every spring training outing. It's dynamic what those two could do. Ioannis Cespedes appears to be, if not in better shape, in better baseball shape, let's put it that way, this spring training, and you know, has his three home runs. He seems like he's doing okay. Uh, Conforto is on the mend. Uh, he took some live batting practice. He'll continue that. Maybe he could get back before May 1st, but at the very least, it looks like that is a realistic day for him to be back, and it won't be any longer than that. So as long as those four guys are healthy, available, in the mix. You know, the Mets have quite the nucleus. And this has been my point all offseason when it comes to the Mets making some win-now moves. This is the time to win now. There are the pieces in place. Last year was a disaster. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, they only got a handful of starts out of Noah Syndergaard. You want a Cespedes missed half the season. Conforto's out the last couple of months. It's a mess. Uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong uh, for the Mets. They can bounce back. I don't think that they're you know, a 90-plus win team, but I think they're firmly in that wild card area. They can make some moves to the trade deadline and be in a good position, but you have to put yourself in that spot, and you got to be trying from day one to win every game you possibly can, and to have a, a win-now mentality you know, not just in the locker room, but you know, in the front office and otherwise. You want to make a, you know, a move that might hurt long-term, but it helps now? I think that's where the Mets are, where, where that's what you look to do. So, you know, that's what I'd like to see. It's why, you know, I thought Neil Walker made sense for the Mets. All right, you're going to block Dom Smith so you don't see him in the majors and, and he's playing down a triple A for a season. So be it. That's what the Yankees did. They just blocked Glaber Torres. Miguel Anjahar has been having a, you know, a great spring training. So be it. Play the best guys. 
You're trying to win now. That's what the Yankees do a great job of. It's time to win, play the best guys. And and that's got to be the attitude for, you know, the Mets this year, uh, in my opinion. And, you know, it's not 2014. You're not, you know, looking to find out about Wilmer Flores. You're not going to find out about Brandon Nimmo or Juan Ligaris. Play the guys that are the best and put them in the best situations, and that's it. Juan Ligaris rots on the bench because Brandon Nimmo outplays him in spring training. That's the way it is. Real competition now, uh, you know. It's not, um, you know, it's not the the little league stuff anymore. It, you gotta you gotta step it up a little bit. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number to get involved. Uh, so uh, this past weekend, I mean, it's not a, a ginormous weekend, but it is you know kind of a milepost in sports where you finally do make it to Selection Sunday. Now on. Thursday, you get the, the real NCAA tournament day. And, of course, you got some the first four the next couple of nights. But Thursday, Friday, two of the better sports days on the calendar all year. March Madness could carry you all the way to opening day, uh, which will be two weeks from Friday. So we kind of cross over that empty February, early March where pitchers and catchers and spring training are trying to carry you through and, you know, after about three spring training games, you're like, okay. I've seen this. Baseball's back. Very nice, but time to to get some real baseball going and we are getting there, but it was, it did turn out to be you know, a decent uh, sports weekend. Uh, we'll start with you, Ray Martell, our producer here in the sports zone. What had you excited this weekend? Well, I was, I, I know my father-in-law is not going to like this, but Tiger Woods, I was so happy to see him doing well this weekend. Gets my interest back in golf. I kind of like him more now because he's more hated even than before. And he's almost like an underdog now with all the injuries, but it was great to see him playing well. I told you this. I had the one only problem I had with him all weekend. I wanted the dark red, completely red shirt, the black hat coming out on Sunday. He had the stripes. He had the red shirt with the black stripes. Kind of bugged me a little bit, but seeing uh, Tiger, red shirt. seeing Tiger on Sunday in contention in a tournament just gets me dreaming. To three weeks from now, four weeks from now, the Masters. Get me to the Masters with Tiger in contention. That will be awesome. Well, let me ask you. You started. Your father-in-law won't like this. He, he hates Tiger. Has it always hated Tiger? Oh, yeah. Tiger? Never liked him. He oh, thought, really? Never did. Thought he was always arrogant. Thought He, he loves Phil. You're either, a Phil or, you're either a Phil guy or a Tiger guy. My father-in-law is a Phil guy. Wow, so how could you be a big golf fan and hate Tiger Woods? I, he, doesn't, he just doesn't, doesn't root for him. He wants to see him lose. He's sick and tired of him. Wow. I know. I, 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 but there are people out there that don't like Tiger. No, I, I can get personally. I get yeah. you have you know issues with his personal life. So oh, since, this is before yeah, all that. Yeah, he, but that's what surprises me. I mean, if you said since 2009, you know, I, I can't root for a guy like that. I, I'd understand it. Uh, but to not appreciate his career at all, it's like the people that watch LeBron James and instead of enjoying right. anything he does, just say, well, he's not as good as Jordan. Right. Uh, it's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's you can it. have that opinion and enjoy the guy's career at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. Golf, The ratings in golf have not been the same since he's been out. You saw a bump this weekend. You saw an attendance bump. When he's in it, the eyeballs are watching. And I you know watched. What? I, I, I love watching him play. Just thinking, give me one more Tiger run. I'm not, I don't want a multiple, thing, but I want to see him in contention in a major. Once again, with the excitement, the loud galleries, everybody upset because all the, uh, you know, all the stuffy golf people 
people, which again, I love my father-in-law, but he's, you know, the, the country club people can't stand the, the noisy crowds. I want that. And you know yeah, what? The crowds are all rooting for Tiger. Right. I didn't hear any. But they, you know, the, there's that, there's that uppity golf people that think that, that like, oh, you know, that's not what golf was. It was this gentleman's sport and everything and the Caddyshack crew that comes along. I, I love it. How is there a golf fan that wouldn't appreciate yeah, it's just the way it Tiger is. Woods? Like I said, it I mean, is. if you don't like how he handles his personal life, you're not going to root for him hey. after that. I, I get that, but the rest of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I, I will never tune in to golf. You know, our old producer, Babuts, he used to try to talk golf here every week. And I don't but care. We already, Babuts but and I Ty- set. We, Ty- we're already getting ready. Shinnecock this year. Oh, U.S. Okay. Open's on the island. Well, that's nice. But Tiger has been good in years. You know, if he's when, good this year, it'd be great. When Tiger is good, golf is relevant. I tuned in that 17th hole yesterday. So he's down two strokes with two to play. The leader's in the clubhouse, and he needs to birdie two holes in a row. And Tiger hits like a 30-foot putt. I mean, it's it, it crosses over the hole with like two rolls left to go. And I mean, just a perfect putt. And holy cow... He still has it. He still has that yeah. killer instinct. You don't yeah. like the shirt, but he's wearing the red. He's got that look. He's smirking as he's going up the, the fairway on 18. He didn't hit a great tee shot, but you start to think he's going to win this. He could do this, and he ends up falling short. He didn't manage to birdie the last hole, but he gives you that glimpse. And you know, for all those golfers, the young guys, the Rory McIlroys and the Speeds and, and guys that haven't had the ability to truly compete with him, I, I think yesterday you saw a glimpse of what that might be like for Tiger to have someone to golf with uh, other than Phil Mickelson and to actually cross over with this new uh, generation. That is what could be a lot of fun, and that's how you make the next generation something in golf. I think it's something that they've lacked. And he's got a tournament now that he is the favorite now to win going to Bay Hill. He's already picked him on some casinos, have him as the favorite to win Bay Hill. Is, is that the Arnold Palmer Invitational? Yep. And that's it. And again, if, if you know the younger people who haven't knew it, he was close to Palmer. That was his yeah. guy. Uh, it was his mentor, and he always loved Bay Hill and always played well there. If this is a turnaround, boy, we could be looking at really a, a memorable summer of golf for if, if Tiger can you know, be in contention. I mean, he's got to win some of them, yes, but if he's in contention like this late, boy, you're going to start feeling really good about it. Well, it's just good that he's he's healthy. Yes. So he can be competitive, and you know, the next test will be in a major, lights on bright. How does he handle that? But uh, there's no doubt. I, I could care less about golf overall, but when Tiger's involved, I'm in. I, I will watch, and I, I find um, you know his, I don't know, do you call it a redemption story? Or at the very least, his comeback to competitive golf. I mean, that that is compelling. It was fun to watch uh, this past weekend. Mark Wiener, what was good this weekend? Well, Pete, first off, I just want to say I'm very similar to Ray's father-in-law. I also hate Tiger Woods, but I hate all golfers. No, it's just uh, across the board. Yeah, I just I hate the sport. You just bored me for the past five minutes. I'm sure it was great discussion. If you like golf, just not for me. Okay, you you prefer hockey, so you could bore a whole other segment of uh, I prefer the almost audience. anything. Paint drying <laughs> would be more entertaining to me on television. Come on, you can't golf. watch the Masters like one day a year. No. I I don't particularly like golf, but I could get into you know I could get into just about any sport, and you just you can't do it at all. Can't do it with golf. I can get into tennis. I can get into some other sports. I can't do golf. What about curling? I could do curling. If I mean, you could do curling, team, you, you could do to. golf. Get out of here, Mark. Curling's more exciting. At least I can do curling. He does have a point there. He does have the curling body. 
do. That's a I golf have a body, good body too. for sweeping too. Yeah. Curling, that's tough. You gotta be able to move on that ice. I, I bet that's a workout. I bet that's a workout. You need the mustache, like the. The U.S. captain. Yeah, I can't grow a mustache. All right, what was good this weekend, Mark? Well, uh, it it was something that's good for Villanova and bad for the Knicks. So Villanova won the Big East title on Saturday over Providence in overtime. So they won three games in three days at Madison Square Garden. Pete, do you know how many games the Knicks have won? They're still playing. That was news to me. How many games the Knicks have won at the Garden since December 16th? Oh, I would have no idea. Two. They've won two. So Villanova in three days has won more games at the Garden than the Knicks have since December 16th. Yeah. That's not good. That sounds very Knicks. That's like three months of basketball. My goodness. Rutgers won two games at the Garden a week ago, too. (laughs) They got them matched. Hey, how about the Big East uh, final? Did you see Ed Cooley, the head coach of Providence? He ripped his pants during the game. You are on national TV. He did whatever he was doing. He said he could feel the breeze going up the crack. That's the way he described it. But all of a sudden, your pants rip and you're on the sideline. There's no change of clothes you could go get. It's during a game. And remarkable poise under pressure from Ed Cooley. I don't know if it was his idea or somebody else, but he took a Gatorade towel and just tucked it into the back of his pants and just wore that to cover up whatever the heck was going on back there. But that is, that's next level thinking. I mean, that is absolute cucumber cool under pressure. There's no bigger pressure situation than your pants ripping when you're in the middle of an arena trying to coach a basketball game. And maybe there are some worse times that your pants could rip, but there's not many. And that was some quick thinking. It was impressive. He didn't have to miss any time in the game. He's able to laugh about it afterwards. Go Ed Cooley. That was awesome. And just think, had Providence, as I call him Providence, because you got mad at me because I called him PC, as Providence, if Providence would have won that, think of the sponsorship with the Gatorade towel and everything. It was all coming to him. Give him whatever he wants. Hanes, uh, it'll be some other suit company. You know, it, yeah, definitely. It won't be whatever he was wearing. That one. <laughs> no, uh, I don't. I don't know what suit he was wearing, but one one of Jay Wright's suits. Even Jay Wright was cracking up about it after the games. You know, very thankful it hasn't happened to him. It can't happen in those suits, right? All right, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number to get involved. Uh, we'll have LIU Brooklyn's head coach Derek Kellogg. They'll be taking on Radford tomorrow in the first four. Uh, it's coming up at eight thirty-five. We'll dive into the brackets with Vin Parisi of Fox Sports and SNY uh, coming up at eight oh five. Plus, your chance to win a thousand dollars coming up at eight oh five right here on seven ten WOR.